serve a miracle working God, isn't it? In Luke chapter 24, we read about one of these, well, not one, the greatest of all the miracles. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid, and they bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, rise again. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for uh, the miracle working power oh, that, Lord, that we see, that we read about, that we testify of and have experienced ourselves. And so, God, I just pray, oh, the Lord, that you will just touch and do miraculous things in, in Brother Lumley's life in that hospital room right now. You can touch him and heal him right now. God, you can touch those that are dealing and battling sicknesses this morning. God, that you can heal them and restore them. God, I pray that, Lord, right now, God, I pray for David Blair and, and all of those that are battling COVID in this moment. God, that you will just touch, you will heal. Oh, Lord, we rebuke the name of Satan, God, as he wars against your choice people, God. And so, Lord, we just pray for your covering. We pray for your healing. God, allow your air, your breath to fill those lungs right now, God. And, Lord, as we give ourselves to you, let your Holy Spirit cover and anoint God, not just your word as it always is, but 
me as the sharer of the gospel this morning. Give each of us our minds and our hearts and our ears to receive the word of God, Lord, so that we can experience a victory like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We have been doing some cleaning out, and last weekend we specifically were cleaning out. Anybody have one of those junk rooms that you just throw stuff into and then think, I'll deal with it later? Hands are going up. Okay, well, uh, we have a a couple of those kind of areas, and we went through one of those this past week. And, of course, as we go through one of the the cabinets, there was in the cabinet a uh, what we called the boys' craft bag. It was, uh, you know, glitter and crowns and markers and paints and all of that kind of stuff. And as we were uh, going through things that they don't use anymore and we don't use anymore, and the bottom of that craft bag was this Matchbox car. Now, this Matchbox car is not just any ordinary Matchbox car. It is a 308 GT Ferrari Matchbox car. That is over 40 years old because it's as old as I am. This was mine. It's an antique, as they would say, I guess, maybe. It has seen better days in terms of the paint job. But I came across this, and I just couldn't help but smile. I was like, wow, uh, what a just a, a moment of, of treasure to find something like this. And I was immediately reminded of one particular story about this car that really sticks out to me. When I was uh, about six years old, we, my family and I, we had, my dad had been uh, transferred from Washington, D.C. down to Homestead, Florida. And at Homestead, uh, we were waiting for uh, permanent base housing on the, on the Air Force Base, and so we were living in these temporary quarters and the, think like a glorified hotel. I mean, that's basically what it is there on base. And, and so uh, I was out, I remember going out to the playground and and I took this particular Matchbox car with me. And I was I had been out there playing with other kids. And, and uh, as it started to get dark, uh, my dad had called me to come inside. And it was there that I, it was then somewhere around there that I realized that I did not know where my car was. I had been playing with it in the sand of the playground and could not find it. And I was in a panic. I mean, this was my favorite car. I could not go home without it. And I knew if I left... I would never find it again. And so I began, I was digging through the sand, and Dad had gone back in, and I kept digging, looking, and I couldn't find it. And I remember being, as just a little boy, being in such a panic and fear that I could not find my favorite car. And so Dad, he calls me, hey, it's time, you got to come back in. And I told him I'm crying, I, that I can't find my car. And so Dad comes out there, and, and uh, he gets down in the sand with me, and he begins to help me to try to find the car. And I remember at some point he was like, I don't think we're going to find it. I think we just need to go in and and we'll get you another one. I was like, no, I need that car. And so we kept uh, persevering and looking through the sand. And about the point that you really couldn't see anything anymore, all of a sudden my dad says, hey, is this the car? My dad had found it. And so I was overjoyed with, uh, you know, having found it, I took it home, and believe me, I never took a car or anything else out to that playground ever again. 
But this is a reminder, and, and, and as I look at this, and as I was telling Tina that story, uh, we began to dialogue about it, and, and what an incredible lesson when we begin to understand the idea of perseverance. How many times do we give up when we are on the brink of a breakthrough? Because ultimately, what does God desire for each and every one of us? Victory. And as we come this morning, and as we begin, and as we are mindful, I can't help but think about not just my earthly father helping me to find something as inconsequential as a matchbox car. Excuse me, Hot Wheels. You're going to have the right brain name in there. <laughs> but how much more important it is that our heavenly father bends down to where we are, finds where we are, and picks us up, and we experience that victory. Perseverance. This story, in case you were, when I read the text, probably some of you were thinking, did I miss something? It's today Easter, and today is not Easter. April 4th, we've got a few weeks. But it is the right time, though, let me just put this in there, to begin inviting friends and family to join you on Easter Sunday. These ladies, as they are going to the tomb, when I think about pers perseverance, it is them that I, one of the people that I think about. And this is why. Because that particular morning, when they woke up to go to the tomb, they had a lot of different choices that they could have made. They could have done a lot of different things. But we find that they press through and they go to the tomb. Is perseverance just a mindset? Is it just a matter of being strong-willed? Or is it just... A nice way of saying that we're stubborn. These women that morning would have been, they were, as part of all of the followers of Christ, they were down, they were discouraged, they were depressed. But I am thankful that these particular women, they pressed through and pressed past the discouragement. That they pressed past the discouragement of what they were going to encounter when they went to the tomb. What they were expecting when they got there was a dead body, a stinky dead body of their teacher and of their master, whom they loved. They did not want to have to face, oh, the events of that week all over again. They didn't want to have to relive, oh, that moment. But yet they knew and they understood, oh, that someone had to complete the burial process. And so they gather together those burial spices. They gather together uh, all the, the needs that they, uh, they had to be able to go. And so these women go not because they felt like it, not because they had a joy in their heart and a skip in their step, but rather they pressed past the discouragement because they were going because it had to be done. They were going out of duty. They were going out of determination. They were going out of perseverance. It is here that we begin because of their perseverance, because they pressed past it, the discouragement. Can you imagine oh, the people that would have been influencing and the naysayers in their lives? Really? The disgrace. 
you're going to go up there. The shame, you're going to go up there. You're going to go and put yourself, and you're going to have to relive and go through all of that. We find that while there are some of these women, a group of women, and, and we don't find any of the, the 12 or the 11, we don't find any of them going. We don't find any of the, the 5,000. The crowd all of a sudden has disappeared, and all of a sudden we begin to realize that they press through the discouragement. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, therefore, that therefore is connecting all of the heroes of faith that are discussed and shared and, and testified about in Hebrews chapter 11, in which it talks about that they having died without receiving the promise. And Hebrews chapter 12 begins, therefore, we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Think about him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Anybody had to deal with discouragement this week? I'm raising both my hands. I'm going to be like Pastor Zach. I'm, I'm, nobody else, but I'll be in the crowd. How do we respond to that discouragement? Do we get out a little party hat and have ourselves a little pity party? Do we feed <laughs> that discouragement with our favorite comfort foods? Our favorite Rocky Road ice cream? Favorite macaroni and cheese? Chick-fil-A macaroni and cheese is a great comfort food if you're in a pinch and need something in a hurry. <laughs> Dairy Queen Blizzard right next door, or just a couple doors down, too. So. Get them both while you're out. Nutritious dinner from Pastor Adam right there. But y'all know what I'm saying. We deal with the discouragement... And then we try to, we have these different coping mechanisms. And I'll go ahead and tell you, coping mechanisms in and of themselves aren't always a fully bad thing, okay? Because they help us to press past the discouragement. But the problem that we get into is that we camp out in that discouragement. We camp out in the coping mechanism. We camp out and we, we don't just pitch a tent. We, you know, we... We pour footers, we just lay a slab, we just start building a, a you know, a, a three-bedroom, two-bath house that we're ready to go on HGTV with. We camp out and we live there in the coping mechanism of day-to-day. -day. And what God wants us to do is to say that we need to press past the discouragements and to be able to experience the victory that he has in store for us. 
host, Psalm 23, that we're all very familiar with. What does he say to us about the valley of the shadow of death? He says, you lead me what? Through. Not to. Through. So that when we face the discouragement, we've got to be able to say, God, I'm not camping out here. I've got to press past it. Now, our passage in Hebrews, he says, he says to, uh, that we need to be able to uh, remember Jesus, who endured all of the hostility, because otherwise we will become weary and discouraged. And so let's just to kind of hang out here for just a second. If we want to avoid the camping out and living in this place of discouragement, then we've got to be able to look at this passage as a whole. That means that we've got to begin with making sure that we are keeping our eyes focused and fixed upon Jesus. About a month or so ago, we looked at and we talked about this idea of moving past distractions. Discouragement is one of these distractions that we've got to things that we've got to uh, that the enemy uses, and we need to lay those distractions or remove those distractions away. We've got to. Uh, Hebrews twelve says that we lay aside every weight which ensnares us or entangles us or entraps us, and so we've got to lay those things aside. If there are places or things that that become a trigger point for you in terms of discouragement, then you need to reevaluate and potentially remove certain things from your life to remove those distractions. We need to focus on Jesus. Why? Because he is that author and that finisher of our faith. He begun, he that begun a good work will bring it to completion. And so let us keep our eyes fixed upon him. And of course, in this, we've got to keep running. We've got to run with perseverance. We've got to run with perseverance if we want to get past the discouragement. I am so thankful that Jesus, in his discouragement of going through the process of the cross, that he never threw his hands up, he never gave up, but he truly embodied this idea of running through to completion of what was in front of him, and he did it, and he did it incredibly beyond our wildest dreams and he looks at us and he says this is what I have done consider me and what I have endured Jesus says so that you will not become weary and discouraged so we've got to persevere through press past the discouragement I think about those women who went to the tomb in Luke's account and in Mark's account, we put those together, and this is kind of the entourage that is there. <coughs> Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, Salome, other women with them. They also didn't have the multitude with them. Right. 
got it. So in terms of tradition, that wouldn't have been me. But let's just say. The whole way to the tomb. You know what I would have been probably griping about? Where's everybody else? Where's the crowd? When the rubber meets the road, where's, where's the 5,000? Where's the, the people that were lining the streets just a week ago saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, where are they? And here we are, just a handful coming to do the difficult part. Ever felt alone in your discouragement and in your situation? Maybe you've asked that question. Where is so-and-so? Where are they when I need them most? Hebrews 12 says, consider him. Consider Jesus. So let us do that for a moment. What was Jesus' last night like? He goes to the garden. He's just shared an intimate time in terms of sharing his heart and meal and with the 11 of the disciples that are remaining. And they go out to the garden to pray. And at a time... When Jesus needed the, those 11 more than any other, what did they do? They go to sleep. Jesus tells them, pray with me so that you won't be tempted. But they go to sleep. And so here Jesus is, he's praying, he has no one to pray with him, no one to pray for him, no one to help him or encourage him in the middle of the darkest hour of his time here on earth. And this is what Jesus prays. Father, if it is your will, this is in Luke 22, 41. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. And he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So that when he arose from prayer and he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Jesus, as well as the women, had to press past the loneliness had to press past being alone and not having the support system, not having the people around them that they maybe felt like should have been there. 
They aren't playing a blame game. They aren't, uh, they aren't uh, getting so frustrated that they fail to follow through, but they press past the loneliness that they had to have been feeling. And specifically, here is Jesus with such a weight upon his shoulders that his sweat becomes as of drops of blood. That is a medical condition called hematridosis. Essentially, and while it is rare, it is a time where the tiny blood vessels within the skin begin to break open. And that the blood inside of, uh, uh, of those blood vessels then all of a sudden get to become squeezed into or fill the sweat glands. And all of a sudden now uh, that sweat becomes as of or becomes blood uh, filled. And the uh, doctors and, and people, they say that this only happens or the circumstances where this happens. Extreme distress or fear such as facing death, facing torture, or severe abuse. That is the weight that is sitting on the shoulders of Christ. And he asks, Lord, or God, Father, if it be your will, then let this cup pass from God, not my will, but yours. Jesus presses past the understanding that there is that he is all alone. There's not disciples that are there praying for him. There's not there, they're not cheering him on, they're not encouraging him. And here it is that we understand that nobody else could carry that weight. Nobody else could do it. We do need to pray for one another. We do need to encourage one another. But we also understand that there are those moments and there are those times and there are those things that no one else can carry for. stopped right there, we could all go home depressed because we would look at each other or we would think to ourselves, you don't understand the weight that I'm carrying. It may not be the weight of Christ, but you don't understand, Pastor, the weight that I'm carrying. And you would be right. None of us fully understand that weight, just like the disciples didn't understand the weight that Christ was carrying. Nobody can really fully understand that weight that one another is carrying, but there is one who does. And as we continue to live out this considering Jesus, him who endured the shame and the rejection, considering Jesus who prayed in the garden with nobody else really to support him, nobody to encourage him, nobody to pray for him, this same Jesus is the one who declares to us in Matthew 11. As he says to us, come to me, all of you who 
are weary and that carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You can pull up Matthew 11, 28 through 30. I wasn't going to dwell here, but just allow me just a moment. Jesus says to you, says to me, come. Come. All. Not some. Not a few. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you this moment we become one of those disciples in the garden of Gethsemane because Jesus said pray otherwise you're going to be tempted he says to us come all of you who are burdened all of you who are, are carrying this weight Come to me. Do not fall asleep. Do not neglect. Do not move away from it. Do not try to just ignore it. But come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, in verse 29, and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It is here that we begin to understand that while even in those moments when we feel all alone and we feel like everybody has deserted us and we feel like no one is standing with us, oh, that we can always know that there is one who will always stick closer than a brother. There is always that one who fulfills the promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us even to the end of the age. And his name is Jesus. And we don't just sing about him in a worship song but because we like the song, oh, but rather we declare the name of Jesus because in his name there is power, in his name there is victory, and this morning, if you feel all alone in the middle of your circumstances, oh, then I call you to answer the call of Jesus when he says, come, come to him, to call on the name of Jesus, because not only will he never fall asleep, Oh, in the middle of your storm, never will he leave you or abandon you nor forsake you. But he will endure with you to the end of the age and he will carry the burden for you. If we will press past the feeling like we're all alone. Because we're not. third and final thing we've got to press past the discouragement we've got to press past the loneliness but we've also got to press past the weariness those women one of the things 
about when you're reading or even watching a, a television show is we lose the concept of passage of time. And we treat, if we're not careful, we treat everything as these isolated, independent events. But think about the hectic scenario of what had happened in the city of Jerusalem this week. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we get exhausted, not just because we're physically tired, but because we are emotionally tired? It's a very real thing. When we go through stress and we go through emotional moments, it wears us out. And we get weary. And for these women, I imagine that their conversation about going to the tomb that morning to continue the burial process for the body of Christ was more than just about the stink or the, the having to face all of that all over again. More than just about, it's just a small handful. But I would, can only imagine the weariness that they felt in their soul. We may even call it today, depressed. Weary because of everything that they had endured that week, emotionally, the disappointment, the discouragement, the loneliness, and now the weariness. Romans chapter 5 tells us this in verse 3. That we glory in tribulations. Anybody? Last time I checked, I don't know anybody that does a good job at glory in tribulations. But this is, I love this expounding and this explanation. The reason that Paul goes on to say that we glory in tribulations is because we know that tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And as we come to kind of the end of this message, we begin to understand that it's not just about the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's about the love of God the Father. And it's about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because all of a sudden it is there that we realized, oh, they give me strength. All of a sudden it's there that we realize we're not alone. And it is there that that hope propels us past the discouragement that we're wrestling with. 
You see, we, we come and we realize that we've got to be able to understand that the difficulties and the circumstances that we are dealing with sometimes is a matter of being able to say, even though I'm weary, even though I feel all alone and deserted by everyone else, even though I'm discouraged and depressed and I'm down, I'm going to hold on. Because why? Because I'm considering Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. Because I'm considering, oh, the love of God that is within me and does not disappoint me. And I'm considering the power of the Holy Spirit that is poured out upon my life. Because it has been through them, oh, through, the, through God, that I'm able to say, oh, tribulation produces perseverance. And there is victory in perseverance. Why? Because through perseverance, it produces character and character produces hope. You know what this is? I was in my office this morning. And I noticed that my shoe was untied. And I bent down to tie my shoe. And when I pulled on it, this is all that's left. It broke. And I thought, I don't have a spare shoelace in my drawer. Don't have a spare lace at, shoelace at home either. So, you, you know, what am I going to do? The, the, what I had left, I pulled as tight as I could. Stuffed the remaining shoelace down into my shoe. And said, shoe? Hold on. <laughs> and guess what? It's holding on. Maybe we need to be like the shoe. Even though we're tattered, torn, broken. Discouraged. I got one shoelace that feels all alone. And weary. <laughs> Fine, leave it to me to have to hold this thing together. But my shoe, by the power of God, has held on. We laugh, and, and that's a good thing. But I want us to understand that there are times when we don't know what else to do. God just says, persevere. Hold on to me, he says. Persevere. And, and, and the great thing about it is that we understand that the answer in pressing past the discouragement and pressing past the loneliness and pressing past the weariness, the answer to all of these things is all still found in Christ. And I'm reminded as the musicians come this morning of what Isaiah chapter 40 declares. Have you not known? Have you not heard? 
the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor is weary. You see, we can come this morning and we can hold on and we can declare his goodness and we can declare glory in the tribulation. We can declare that even in my discouragement and even though I may feel as if I'm all alone and even though I'm weary in well-doing, I can come this morning and say, oh, that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of my faith and the Lord never faints. He is never weary. And he continues, and he says his understanding is unsearchable, and he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. No might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And young men, will utterly fall. But. But. Hang on, Justin. But. Young men will still get weary. Old men get a lot weary. Him, oh, allowing the 
your weariness to be able to be transferred to him and his hope in his strength it becomes perfected in you and in your weaknesses if that's you this morning as i pray come and turn it over to him dear heavenly father god we love you and we praise you this morning we need a victory through perseverance we need a victory through trusting and surrendering everything to you God, we just understand that, Lord, that you, and that you, above all things, God, that you see the weight, you see the burden, you see the discouragement. And so, God, let us, out of duty and determination and perseverance, let us keep our eyes fixed upon you, God, and say, Lord, you, God, you are the one that's going to have to help me through. And he says, here I am. 